0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
1: For the cheeseheads who want it fresh, and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral, this is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry
0: Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Packs of at Podcast. I'm one of your co hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein and joined by Bojack, if you just saw that tale in your camera. <laughs> but we are back this week after a really just gross Packers loss to hopefully talk about a better matchup at Lambeau Field. Week 15, Packers hosting the Buccaneers. Perry, how are you doing on this early Thursday morning?
1: You know, it's Friday Eve. Uh, we have a noon kickoff for the Packers this week, which I don't know about you, Maggie, but I could not be happier that this team is not playing in primetime this weekend. I think they are ready to not play in primetime this weekend. Just your average home game at Lambeau. Um, so I'm feeling good. Uh, I'm hoping that they feel ready to bounce back from what was an absolutely embarrassing and abysmal loss.
0: I think one of my concerns, and we can just dive right into the offense here, is the injuries just like keep stacking and keep stacking. And it makes it feel like, you know, each player that goes down, it's becoming more and more insurmountable. Like Aaron Jones, we're not sure what his status is going to be. Christian Watson has been a DNP so far, and it's early. You know, things could change by Sunday, but Dontavian Wicks getting hurt after you know the really nice trajectory that he was on making an impact AJ Dillon on the injury report with a thumb as a DNP so it just feels like the odds just keep stacking against the Packers. Jaden Reed said he'll be good to go for Sunday, cleared concussion protocol, kind of missed that which was nice, but did pop up with an ankle injury now. So it's just like this Packers offense cannot <laughs> seem to get healthy to save itself.
1: They really can't. They cannot
0: catch a break at
1: all. Um uh, there's a few of those that I'd be surprised if they didn't play. I love to hear that Jaden Reed is feeling like he's gonna play. Now I'm gonna caveat this by saying Packers players tend to say that they're good, and yep. then coaching staff decides nobody actually <laughs> you're not good Sit and you're not playing. So I'm gonna take that maybe with a grain of salt. But I do love to see that he's kind of like he seems to be a dog, he's a bit of a fighter. Um, I don't know how bad the AJ Dillon thumb is, but Again, that's a guy who tends to power through, um, and quite frankly, if we have no AJ Dillon and no Aaron Jones, that Hands is a bit of a bit of an, bit of an <laughs> issue um, coming into Sunday. So we can discuss what the run game looks like without the two top backs. But um, I'd be pretty surprised if AJ Dillon didn't end up playing on Sunday. It's a long. DNP list, unfortunately. Um, Don Taven Wicks did say his ankle was effed after the game. <laughs> so likely the Packers will be without him, which I think low-key is a huge loss. He's been a security blanket for Jordan Love. He's been their middle-of-the-field threat. He's been a pretty decent deep threat. Um So, <sighs> look, Matt LaFleur has put up some really beautiful games um, when his back's against the wall and his teams are without their best playmakers. However, going into a game where you pretty much just have <laughs> maybe a Jaden Reed, a Tucker Craft, a Josiah Taguara, um, Samori Toure, and Malik Keith, not great.
0: This is the Malik Heath breakout game. If you are trying to win your fantasy playoffs, you pick up Malik Heath on waivers. and I. This is I, the
1: Tucker Craft stock owners going up right now, yeah. all right? Speaking I picked as him a Tucker up Kraft in fantasy owner. right
0: before the Lions game when I said, like, everybody go get Tucker Craft in one of my leagues. And then he caught that touchdown, and I was like, you're welcome. His stat line wasn't great the rest of the game, but <laughs> at least he had a touchdown.
1: I have Tucker Craft in both of my dynasty leagues because I as have you believed – since day one, that Tucker Craft was going to be something. And it has taken, you know, almost a full season as it does for rookie tight ends. Um, But, you know, he has stepped up into that role quite nicely. And he seems to be a willing blocker and a willing pass catcher, which is everything Matt LaFleur could want. But, you know, you don't want to go into a game and have your rookie third round pick tight end be your top target because that's not necessarily a recipe for success, even if you are playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are not necessarily lighting the world on fire, but are at the top of the NFC South right now and are currently a playoff team because of that. Um, We remember this Buccaneers team as the team that beat the Packers in 2020 to make the Super Bowl, and they still have a lot of the same players on defense. Um, they are a little bit of a shell of that version of that defense, but they still have those guys. They still have Anton Winfield Jr., they still have Carlton Davis, they still have Jamel Dean, they've got Shaq Barrett and Levante David, and they have Vita Vea, who, as you pointed out, is leading the team in sacks. I would have sacks as their nose tackle. So they've got some dudes on that side of the ball, and as we watch Jordan get a little bit rattled by Wing Martindale again with the Giants, um, Todd Bowles is no slouch as well as a defensive coordinator. He's been around for quite some time, and I think he's going to be able to know what to do with a first-year starter and how to, you know, knock Jordan off his spot. So this is going to be yet another week where no, you are not going up against one of the top defenses in the league, and no, you're no, not going up against like a world beater. But you are going up against a defensive coordinator who's going to know what to throw at you as a first-year starter at
0: quarterback. Yeah, and I think one of the things that we had talked about to kind of going into this um, was, you know, you you mentioned Winfield Jr. He's currently PFF's top-graded safety in the league. He And, you know, the caveat there, of course, is that this also is a buck secondary that last week they gave up Desmond Ritter's career high in yardage. And so, oh. you know, there's opportunities there, I think, for Jordan Love to to be successful against this Bucks defense. But there are some, you know, significant pieces to keep an eye on. And Winfield Jr. is such a fun piece. Like, he's what you want your safety to be, right? He's already got four sacks on the season. He flies around. He's just about everywhere the ball is. So he's one of those players that, you know, Jordan Love's going to have to account for anywhere he lines up because he can he can really get after the ball and I don't know how the Packers are going to game plan for this Bucks defense you know but I think that I think the run game just is what it is we kind of say it week after week right like I don't think that all of a sudden we're going to see like 150 yards on the ground or we're going to see like huge chunks of like 20 yard runs I think the goal of this game just has to not be the self-inflicted penalties you talked about it after the Giants game right a false start it's all of a sudden first and 15 and once they get behind the sticks it seems like they can't recover so if Mm -hmm. you're just gaining three four yards on the ground to set yourself up in second and manageable third manageable I think that could be enough for the offense to sustain success yeah I agree with you um
1: it's unfortunate because I thought last week was the week where, like, all you really needed to do was run the ball against the Giants. And that, yeah. I think, would have run the game, won the game. And I actually think that this is another week where you could potentially get the run game going against this Buccaneers defense. And, and that could be a little bit of, like, their Achilles heel. But, unfortunately, you are, once again, like, potentially out two of your top backs. So, not that I don't have faith in Patrick Taylor, but... You know, if you're going into this game with Patrick Taylor and Kenyon Drake, I'm not feeling like particularly uh, great about that as a game plan. And I'm going to say it. I actually would prefer if this team put the ball in the hands of their quarterback to win the game. Right. Um, I do have like that at least level of faith in Jordan Love, even with some of his errant throws um, against the Giants. Um, we mentioned some of the playmakers and yet we failed to mention (laughs) the one guy who Jordan Love seems to have the best connection with and who has had a bit of a quiet middle of the season and that's Romeo Dobbs. Mm -hmm. So in this loss of Christian Watson and this potentially loss of Dontavian Wicks and all the other people that we've just mentioned, like, do you think that this is a game where we just see love feed Dobbs?
0: see I kind of thought that that would be the case against the Giants and then that that didn't happen and so I don't really know and maybe it's just who's kind of available in moments because I still think think Dobbs is you know he's a really good contested catch maker he's come up in some really big moments like the fourth down a couple weeks ago to move the chains and I mean he had four receptions last week but it was only for 32 yards long of 14 so it's just not his numbers are really interesting if you actually break them down game by game, because he always seems to have like a significant catch in a big moment to kind of move the chains and keep a drive alive. But he's probably averaging um, this really quick math, like 50, 40, 50 yards a game. So like he's not coming out and putting up like a ton of numbers. So I think if he does more of that, that would be fine. But I do think that somebody is going to have to step up. And you hope it's Kristen Watson. Not sure if that can be the case with the hamstring. But when we talk about one of the things that gave this Bucks defense fits, it was the gigantic Drake London. He had, I think, 10 receptions for like 172 yards last week against mm-hmm. that Bucks defense. And right now, the Packers don't really have that kind of prototype at wide receiver yeah. that can do that.
1: Yeah. Well, they have their tight end. I mean, right. that's... I guess that's my only thought there is that if they would like to use Tucker craft, that's, that's the body type at the moment that fits that mold. Um, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. I, I would like to see them use Romeo more in the way that they did in the beginning of the season, right? Because I felt like he was the top target at the beginning of the season and love seemed to go to him and he still does. Like you said, in those big moments, um, and if nothing else, it, he should be the red zone target. If the Packers get down into the end zone, especially with his ability to make contested catches, like I want them to be throwing 87 the ball when they're in the end zone.
0: And I think I, I really appreciate your point about putting the ball in Jordan Love's hands because this is a Bucks defense that is better against the run than the pass. So if there's going to be opportunities to really kind of put this game away, I think it's going to have to come through the air even though we mentioned guys like Winfield Jr. Jamel Dean is hurt I'm not sure if he's going to be able to play he's got an ankle injury that's significant he wasn't available for Atlanta so they could be getting some guys back Carlton Davis was a DNP with a groin injury so you know we'll see what the secondary looks like but right now the secondary is really banged up and I think that's where we need to see Jordan Love get comfortable and capitalize and I was a guest on um, Packers nation. They have a show called hot cheese yesterday. And he asked me one of the keys to success. And I said, I just think that given the caliber of players on this Bucks offense that we can shift to in just a minute, the Packers offense is going to have to not settle for three in the red zone. I think they have to come away with more points because I don't think field goals are going to be enough to keep them in the game. We saw what they needed to do against the giants team. That was averaging 13 points a game. The bucks are putting up 20 points a game. Like, the caliber now has raised. And if the defense is going to struggle, your offense is going to be able to actually put up six and not have to kick.
1: Yeah. I think for the remainder of this season, how I feel about this offense, it needs to be aggressive. You need to be going for seven at all times. Right. And we went into the season and I still feel this way. Right. Is that playoffs were an extra. It was an added bonus. If it ended up happening, But now that they're well within their grasp, it would be like fairly disappointing if it didn't end up happening. And I think the recipe for this is get aggressive. Like I said before, put the ball in your young quarterback's hands. Because again, if you're giving this, you know, the teaching moment that it deserves, then you should be putting it on Jordan Love. And if he fails, then he fails and he'll learn something from it. And this offense will learn something from it. And that's all well and good. And there's no i think con in going into the next stretch of games and saying we're going to be aggressive on fourth down we're going to be aggressive in the red zone like we're going to run our offense like run the Matt LaFleur offense but be you know aggressive in the play action and run what we run but like you said lean on the pass game because again aside from a couple of like not so great throws from Jordan the last month and a half, he's been slinging it. Mm -hmm. So why not continue to like build that confidence from him and from this offense with or without playmakers doesn't matter. Um, And I, like I said, I just think you get something out of it regardless, lose, win, make the playoffs. Don't, these are all like teachable moments. Um, So go for it, go for seven, don't settle for three, I'm with you there, Um, especially because this defense, this Packers defense is not playing up to like the standard of trusting that they're going to make stops. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I'm laughing. Um, So I mean, the fact that we're even sitting here at the end of the season in December and saying, I trust our offense to be scoring points over our defense making stops is an absolute like, incredible statement to be making, but I think it's where, it's where we're at at this point.
0: And I mean, this, this is where it gets really tricky too. The Bucks are fourth in red zone defense. Like if there's one place that they shore up, it's in those final 20 yards. And I think the, you know, the flip side of that is if the Packers go for it and they fail, you're still making Baker Mayfield work 90 yards to score. You know, you don't want to give them a missed field goal and let them go 50 yards, 60 yards and put up points of their own like if you can make it hard and make them try to work 85 yard stretches that benefits your defense as well and of course the asterisk here is it should have benefited the defense you know they shouldn't have given up the chunk plays that they did against the Giants but that's a wash at this point so I completely agree with you that I think you know for all we say about evaluation year ad nauseum with Jordan Love this is what you want to see. Like you want to see him rise to the occasion and I think he's done that. And I'm not making any excuses for his performance. We talked about it. I thought he looked kind of flat in the first half, but I didn't realize until I popped on the L22 and saw some clips how insanely windy it was. Yes. Like, I know that that did not help in that environment.
1: I said so I said this in the recap and I I hate to blame weather, mm-hmm. right? Because it's just is what it is, but again like I live in New York. I was here. Like you can hear it howling. You can see the gusts. And again, like you, these are the growing pains of someone who has never played. And when you have never played in weather like this, you don't know how to make adjustments and it's just all, it's all learning. Um, But it's real. I think one of his interceptions was absolutely impacted or his only interception, but was absolutely impacted by the wind. So it could potentially be why he felt so rattled, but he's going to play at Lambeau, right? He's going to have to learn how to play in those conditions. Um, I don't, I'm not saying it's an excuse by any means, but the, the weather was very real. Um, we have talked now a little bit about the defense, so let's talk about Baker Mayfield because before we started recording, we were <laughs> laughing about how this Packers team just cannot get away from this quarterback because they've played him on the Rams, they've played him in Cleveland, and now they're playing him when he's on the Buccaneers. So this is a common quarterback opponent, even though he is on the a third team. Um, and the Packers defense has done well against Baker, um, in their few outings against him, five interceptions, 10 sacks in those two games. Um, they've beaten him both times. Baker tends to play mistake football. He is not a mistake free quarterback. So a Packers team that has been Woefully underperforming when it comes to turnovers, has an opportunity to create some takeaways in this game. Um, but Baker absolutely is surrounded by much better playmakers than in the last two outings that the Packers have seen him
0: he's he's really surprised me this season because I agree you know you kind of associate like living or dying he always had like the Brett Favre gunslinger kind of attitude where like he could go down and win you a game with his toughness but he would also throw like seven picks in a game and you're like oh my god what are you doing he's actually protected the football pretty well this season 20 touchdowns and only eight picks is for him and looking at you know some of his career numbers it's pretty impressive he's done a nice job and I think one of the things you like about him as a quarterback is his mental toughness and his ability to pick up the tough yards. Like Tommy DeVito wasn't necessarily known for his legs going into the Giants game. And I think that's why it was so frustrating that the Packers weren't able to contain him. Baker Mayfield's not going to go out of bounds. Like this is one of those games where the Packers are going to have to tackle him or he's going to knock them over for a couple extra yards because that's just who he is as a football player. And I agree with you. Like you're looking at the weapons that he's got. Mike Evans, it's, it feels so weird that Mike Evans would be underrated, but I feel like he's never in the conversation as you know one of the top receivers, and yet he's got another 10 touchdowns, 1,000 yards already this season. The Packers didn't have that against the Giants, and they still struggled against guys like Wandale Robinson. So to have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, it's, it's going to be a really tough day for this secondary. And that's not even counting on the ground with Rashad White. So Just I I like the way that Baker is playing for the Bucks. And I think if you are talking about you could argue the most experienced quarterback, probably Derek Carr would get that as far as being in the NFC South, but a team that or a a quarterback that's taken his team to the playoffs when he was with Cleveland, I think the Bucks have one of the better shots to win the NFC South because of the makeup of their team down the stretch.
1: Definitely. I mean there is definitely something to be said for having a team made up of vets. I mean, mm-hmm. I said it before like, this is a team where their defense led them to a Super Bowl, not a few years back, right? Mm-hmm. So, won a Super Bowl or, yeah. So, Baker is a new quarterback, but Mike Evans is, I mean, you said it, I think he is criminally underrated, like one of the best wide receivers that we've seen and just happens to have been on a team that besides having Tom Brady for uh, two seasons, hasn't won a lot. Um, So I definitely don't underestimate him. And again, like, I don't know what's happening right now from an injury perspective to this team, but this is a game you want your star cornerback. Like, if you have something circled on the calendar, it's Ja versus Mike Evans. Um, So... We'll see, uh, you know, we're recording this on Thursday. We have not gotten the final injury report back. You got to play some like really serious clean football against, against a Mike Evans. Um, no Carrington Valentine, like oopsie DPIs. Cause <laughs> Mike will win those 10 out of 10 times. Um, I think your point about Baker actually playing a clean game is really apt because if he does that, I mean that's his Achilles' heel, right? Same with like a Jameis Winston. When you get a Jameis Winston playing like turnover free football, watch out because they've got all the skills. That's always been kind of their one, their one thing that loses them games. So if you don't turn the ball over against quarterbacks like them, you might lose. And the Packers have, like I said before, they are not cre- creating turnovers well at all, Mm -hmm. at all. And the stat line for when they win the turnover battle and when they don't win the turnover battle is night and day for when they win and when they lose. So they're going to have to create plays for themselves, this defense is. I don't know how, (laughs) I don't know when, but whether it's a turnover like Keyshawn Nixon had in a really important moment against the Chiefs, whether it's finally getting to the quarterback and some rush lane integrity and getting some sacks against Baker at some key third downs. It has to be something. You just cannot let Baker do whatever he would like to do and play soft and take all the five yard gains that are in front of him and dink and dunk you down the field. You're going to lose this game if that happens.
0: Yeah. I mean, the bucks are, it, it's, you know, kind of cliche, right? I feel like this can apply to any team in the NFL, but they're three and one when they don't turn the ball over, and they're 0 and 4 when they have two or more turnovers. So yes. obviously, yeah, you want to win that turnover batter. The, Pack- the Packers only have six interceptions all season, which just seems so insane. They're tied for 29th in the league in interceptions. And it's just, it's really hard to think about being a successful defense when. You're not creating those opportunities. And we kind of talked about it when Matt LaFleur first took over, right? The 2019-2020 defenses, when they could hang into games because they could kind of gift you some more opportunities for your offense to score points. When the Packers don't even have that to rely on, on the defensive side of the ball, it's kind of like you're we're talking about looking for an identity on this defense. Like, what, what do you hang your hat on? They're not getting home. They're not creating turnovers. Like, what is the thing that this defense is good at? And Baker Mayfield's not going to take the kind of sacks that you would expect Tommy DeVito to have taken. Obviously he didn't against green Bay, but he was only hit once last week. Mm -hmm. And so this is going to be a, a Packers pass rush that has to do something to get home because otherwise I, and I think it's interesting too. you know, they're, they've got down the stretch, obviously like Bryce young, maybe Nick Mullins for the Vikings. We're not sure. But when you talk about, like, game-winning drives, the Packers had the opportunity to do that, and mm-hmm. you don't expect a guy like Tommy DeVito to put a game-winning drive together. Baker led one against the Falcons. Like, he's been in those moments enough that you don't want to leave the ball in his hands. This needs to be a game that you're able to put away, because if he has time on the clock, he can absolutely use those weapons to get down the field and and put the the Bucks in a position to win a game.
1: Yeah. I'm almost hopeful that like the Packers play up to their competition this week. I just feel like they, like, and I never like to say, I don't don't, like really believe in trap games. I I don't think players believe in them either, but I almost feel like they do tend to play down to or up to whatever level of their competition is at the moment. And it's just like a, maybe a young team issue, um, so I'm hopeful that they play up to the level of which this Bucks offense can play too. Um and quite frankly, again, their playmakers are going to need to go out and make plays. Like Rashawn Gary, you just got paid. Go out and play like yeah. the high paid edge rusher that you are. Um, and if Jaw does end up getting healthy enough to play, I fully expect you to go out and do your best to lock down Mike Evans. Um, That's just like, you know, someone in the comments on our our recap show commented about how, you know, we always blame the scheme and it's never about the players not making plays. And I want to comment on that comment because I disagree with you. I fully will say that, like, the players have not been making plays either. It's one thing to... Dislike Joe Barry's scheme, which we do, but also within that scheme, the players did not make enough plays to make a stop against Tommy Bito and the Giants, and they're going to have to step up and make plays against Baker Mayfield and this Bucks team in order to win this game. Um, because, as you said, you know they lose when they turn over the ball two or more times, and Baker does not get hit. And so, I think those are the keys, right? Take the ball away, or at least force Baker to drive the, down the field, as you mentioned before, and hit Baker, hit him off his spot.
0: Um, it would be they, it'd be really nice to get Eric Stokes back for this one. I know he's been he in that window, um, but it'd be fun to see what he's got. I know obviously he hasn't played at all this season, aside from the one game. But I think he might bring a little juice back to that secondary when he comes back.
1: How much do you think he plays though? If he that's gets a good elevated? point. Like, I feel like if Stokes gets elevated, it's, like, as a special teamer or as, like, a dime, which I'm fine with.
0: I'm great, yeah. I think, honestly, one of the biggest pieces you want back is Quay Walker, and it seems at this point probably unlikely as a DNP. But And I I will say, I think one of my – I don't do grades, but if I had to give just the eye test – I really liked Isaiah McDuffie's performance against the Giants. He's We always think of him as, like, a core special teamer, but I – I think there's a world where McDuffie and Quay Walker are your inside linebackers next season. I could maybe see the Packers trying to move on from Devondre Campbell, but I just like what we've seen from Isaiah McDuffie. And does that mean I want him to be your every down Mike? Probably not, but I do like what he does when he's called up in spot duty. But I wanted to ask you this before we kind of wrap the show, because I've been thinking about it a lot and I just, I'm not saying losses are ever good, obviously. And the Giants game, I think, was one of the worst possible games to lose down this stretch based on the expectations. But Jacob and I were talking about leading up to that game, the expectations of this team now. It felt improbable that they were going to just go on a tear and win eight straight and get into the playoffs. Like, do you think there's something to be said about them? Almost like the letdown that comes with a loss in a game you're supposed to win where you can, like, shake it off kind of take a deep breath, take a step back and maybe reevaluate your perspective on things. Because I'm not saying the Packers expected to, to win out and run the table, even though Jair made the comment that they were going to, but like, what do you think about that? Do you think that maybe this was like the wake up call that they needed? Or do you think this is more of a warning sign about them playing down and performing as badly as they did? I don't think this team needed a
1: wake up call. Like they had gone on a terrible losing streak already this season. So they had had plenty of wake up calls, but I do think it's a very good lesson to remind just like it's, there's a lot of lessons. Like I don't, I'm not in the locker room, so I don't know what the vibe is, but if you're vibing and thinking, oh, well we're clearly the better team. So we're just going to go in and beat them and not take them seriously. Then there's a lesson in that. Although Jordan love had act outwardly said, you know, we take every single opponent seriously. So I doubt Mm -hmm. that that's, that's that, you know, and also like, They're a 500 team. Like, let's be real. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's just a good, like, any given Sunday lesson, right? If you don't go out and play your best football, you're going to lose a game. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. And I think Matt said that, too, in his his post-game presser. It's like, we played poorly in all three phases, so obviously we're going to lose. Um, I love the idea of this team, though, being able to be like, well, that was bad. (laughs) And now we have some juice and we have to go back out and show everyone that that's not actually who we are because I think that, you know, we talk about identity um, and you mentioned about the defense, but just holistically in terms of this team, they're still forming who they are. Mm -hmm. So is your identity a team that gets beat down by bad opponents and it lets, it lets it wreck you or do you get beat down by a bad opponent and you come back out with the vengeance? So far, you know, they were able to overcome a four-game losing streak and beat three very good teams, two playoff teams, two contenders. So my money is on them coming back out with a vengeance. I think there's also something we said for being young and just having kind of like a short memory. Like you don't Mm -hmm. really know what losing is like, and you're just like, well, on to the next. Um, But it's different when there's expectations now. It's different when you have all eyes on you. It's different when you're not an underdog anymore, right? You go into those games against the Chiefs and against the Lions and you're an underdog and you're playing with house money. Very, very different vibes than when you're going into these games and you're expected to win when you're being, yeah, when you're favored, when you're being picked to win. Can you rise to those expectations and fulfill them as everybody's watching? Um, All good. All things they need to learn how to do.
0: And Matt LaFleur said that, right? Like he said, one game at a time, like you're the hunted now, like you are no longer hunting. You're the hunted. And kind of to wrap up with that, this is a Packers team still somehow in control of their own destiny in the playoffs. Would you would like them to win all four? Possibly three and one will get them a spot, but. Really important games down the stretch for a Packers team that has asp- aspirations of the postseason. But Perry, let's do score predictions really quick before we wrap the show. What are you feeling going into Sunday's noon kickoff?
1: Um, well, the Packers have to win this game. I think this is a must. A little bit of a must win. I'm not going to like call it a definite must win, but like a a soft must win. Um, I'm going 24-21
0: Packers. I I keep going back and forth between 27-24 and 27-21 but I kind of feel like this is going to be one where the Packers are down late and this is going to be a comeback that they actually make. Like I picture it being like 21-20, Jordan Love gets the ball in the final 2 minutes and they either kick a field goal or they come down and like put up 7 to just like put the game away. But I think the Packers are due for one where the offense just gets to march down and win the game. It's going to be nerve-wracking because we want them to be putting it away early. But yeah, I think the offense is going to be capable of of sealing it. So yeah, I think the Packers are going to put up some good points in this one. I think they'll come back. So like 27-ish feels good to me. Love it. Love it. Right. Well, hopefully we get a good game, like you said, back on the noon 1 p.m. for the Eastern listeners, uh, noon kickoff instead of all these night games that have kept us up. But Thank you, as always, for listening to the show. You can find us in audio format everywhere you find your favorite podcasts. You can find us on YouTube. Make sure you download and subscribe and like and do all those things to to help our viewership numbers. You can find the podcast on Twitter at podcast all other social media at packs what she said you can find perry on twitter at perry underscore goldstein you can find me on twitter at maggie j loney we'll be back on monday hopefully recapping a packers win as they secure their push into the postseason but that is all we've got for today so thank you as always for listening and go pack go
1: go pack go